0: Hein. Hein. We're live. We are yapping. We are recapping everything week 13. This was uh, a week players were just decimated with injuries. This was, uh, it feels like m- maybe the same amount of injuries occur every single week, and this was just more fantasy relevant players going down, but this feels like one of the worst weeks of the year. And What's kind of interesting, too, is like a lot of the times, you know, I'm only technically a doctor, so don't take my word for this, but you don't see a ton of muscle pulls or at least like hamstring pulls towards the end of the year. You see them a lot in the beginning of the year. You see them a lot throughout the summer. You see them a lot through the first couple weeks of the season. And then they start to kind of taper off because they're they're an injury that comes with um this, like, ramp up period, right? And that's why a lot of these pulls occur. So you don't see them often this, this point of the year. If you just think about the last, like, you know, month, two months or whatever, most of the injuries that occur aren't hamstring injuries, but that, they happen so often in the beginning of the year. We did have one or two this, this, uh, this weekend though. And, uh, it's why it's like a little bit shocking and jarring that we have 14 relevant injuries this week as opposed to earlier on in the year when they're a little bit more predictable because people are getting up to speed. But we got a lot to cover because, everybody did everybody did I'm about to be dead in a playoff hunt because because I could have sworn I I threw a waiver in for Joe fucking Flacco to start over Bailey Zappi and that's gonna be the difference I need I'm up 1.5 and all the other dude has is Tanner Hudson and this is a tight end premium league shout out to everybody in the bash weekend league um it's a tight end premium league, so literally if he just catches a pass at the line of scrimmage, he can have zero yards with a pass caught, and I'm fucked. I'm fucked right in the ear. I'll tell you what. Also, I want to give a shout-out to C4. Fuck it. I thought about not doing it only because they wouldn't like work with us on an official basis, but they keep sending us drinks for free. And Kevin over there, the reps cool as hell. Shout-out to Kevin if he ever watches these. I drink, a lo- I drink a lot of caffeine. Big coffee guy, big iced coffee guy, cold brew guy, whatever. I drink a lot of energy drinks, too. I, anything that has caffeine, you could fucking inject it into me. I would literally take caffeine injections if they were safe. I knew it was safe. Drink a lot. I went through a run of Celsius earlier this year. They got like, they've started blowing up in New York. I, they're probably blowing up everywhere. I started drinking Celsius and we've gone through our phases. It was a big monster guy. If any of y'all have been following me for a long time, you knew this. I just sucked down monsters like that shit was water. You know what I'm saying? Monster. Um, and then, you know, we, we I've just started, uh, I just take it how I get it. It's business at this point. Get it how you live it, right? With these energy drinks. And I started getting into a Celsius phase and I was like, these are kind of good. And then C4 started sending us drinks. So we got the office stocked with C4 all the time. And I'm like, you know what? These actually taste pretty good. And I didn't realize how fucking good they actually taste until I just drank my first Celsius in a long ass time last week. And I was like, ugh, this shit is disgusting after drinking the C4. So and I, I, a lot of y'all, probably they're probably trying to rebrand. I don't know if that's the truth or not, but a lot of people think of C4 and they think of like the pre-workout and like the really intense- shit that they make, but they make like very normal energy drinks that are, I think this is a hundred, 200 milligrams of caffeine. So similar to any, like the monster energy drinks, highly suggest you try the C4s. They're really, really good. They taste wonderful. And they'll make you question why you were ever drinking Celsius to begin with. I'm telling you, it might be too sweet. I got a sweet tooth, but they, they taste, mm, they got me, they got me flexing. They got me flexing the traps. All right. So shout out to C4 even though they told me they couldn't give us budget because they were giving it all to the WWF, WWE. Sure, sure. You think WWE is going to fucking do this, get on camera and get vulnerable and talk about their life experience with energy drinks? Hell no. Nah. The fuck you paying them for? Hang. All right, whatever. Y'all are here to hear about the game-by-game recaps and fantasy football, NFL, all that shit. You don't want to hear me yapping about C4. You don't want to know how Nick's doing. You always say, hey, where's my recap? Not, hey, how are you? Didn't have anywhere to go there. But we're here. Fuck it. Let's ball. Hang. Okay. Let's start with the Thursday night football game. Cowboys. Snuck out this dub 41 to 35. What a game. This is a really fun game to watch. Uh Dak kind of cements himself as one of, if not the highest odds player to win the MVP. Obviously, there's a lot of games left to play, so I feel like speculating on it now is just going to change by week by week, by week by week. But Dak continues to ball. Tony Pollard continues to eat in these really easy, easy, cheesy-ass matchups. I think when they start playing real teams again, I think like Philadelphia, Pollard will probably struggle again. You'll start them, but you'll probably be disappointed like you were in the beginning of the year. And actually, I'm not going to make that joke. Receiving-wise, CeeDee Lamb, you play. Jake Ferguson, you play. Brandon Cooks has been pretty wildly consistent as of late. There were six teams on by, so a lot of people probably were forced to play him. He only did he only saw four targets CD lamb with a whopping 17 targets damn I didn't even realize he got up there 17 targets 12 for 116 and a touchdown I mean CD's been on uh he's been on a mission he's been just skyrocketing up fantasy rankings over the last month and a half or so so anyone who drafted him earlier on in the year maybe questioning that decision no mas no ma I think a lot of people probably had to choose between CD and Garrett Wilson CD and Devonte Adams at that turn so if you chose CD you're probably sitting pretty right now. Um, Brandon Cooks, yeah, he's, he's been pretty good. So I think you feel like relatively solid about putting him into your lineups going forward. He's just getting a lot of opportunity, and Dak is throwing for a lot of touchdowns, and Cooks has been getting them. Uh, on the flip side, DK blasted off six for 134 and three touchdowns. feel like we've kind of been waiting on this game. As for who's going to score the touchdowns, it's kind of like a coin flip any any given week. But JSN did lead the team in targets with 11 of them. Lockett and Metcalf right behind him with eight. So that's kind of going to be the configuration going forward. Lockett's been mm, – mm, I just traded him like two weeks ago in a league for Jerome Ford and Keaton Mitchell, and I feel good about that. I feel like Lockett might be a little bit banged up right now. Should get a little time to rest given that this game was early, so they got the 10 days, 11 days in between the next game. So I'm I'm comfortable starting kind of any of those three Seattle wide receivers right now. Uh, running backs will have to wait for Kenneth Walker to come back. Zach Charbonnet looks okay. Um, he did get home basically 100 yards on 20 touches and a touchdown, which is kind of like a perfect stat line for fantasy, but it wasn't pretty. He's not really getting it done on the ground. He'd have one big pass play, 39 yards, which really like brought it home in terms of the yardage and just overall efficiency. But you're going to continue starting. It doesn't matter if he's good or not because if, he, if Kenneth Walker's out, then Charbonnet getting 20 touches a game. And um, if Kenneth Walker's back, then you're playing Kenneth Walker and you're probably putting Zach Charbonnet bike on your bench. Let's move to the Sunday slate, which uh, actually, you know, like this game was kind of fire. The Colts versus the Titans. I mean, there was multiple punts block. There was fucking Will Levis throwing an interception, then going to get his interception back. A bunch of crazy shit happened. Um, Zach Moss didn't happen, unfortunately. Everybody loves Zach Moss because JT was out. Zach Moss ends up kind of ripping off a mediocre-ass day. 19 for 51 on the ground, 2.7 yards per carry. Tennessee is a notoriously tough rundy, but everyone's super hyped about Zach Moss because he had a great game against Tennessee last time. This is what happens when you try to project one-game sample sizes. You look at a player and say, hey, he was really good in this one game. Obviously, that's going to happen again. Never fucking happens again. Um, so he disappointed, but if JT's out of the lineup for Indy, which I expect him to be for another week at least, uh, you're putting Zach Moss in because this is the type of workload he's going to see week over week over week over week over week. Michael Pittman continues to impress week over week over week over week. He's a beast. Josh Downs, led us Downs, five targets, three catches, 14 yards. So this will be, I think, the ebb and flow of, of this passing offense, I guess. It's it's Pittman, and it's hard to trust anybody else. Pierce had his first big game of what seems feels like three years now. He's only been in the league for two years, but this was, I think, genuinely like the first time it feels like he's contributed to this offense this year, and it came at the cost of Josh Downs doing so. So bad game for Josh Downs, and I think at this point your confidence level in him has to have uh, you know, ebbed and flowed a little bit too much for my liking, given the fact that we are basically in fantasy playoff season, but Pittman's uh, performing like a fucking savage right now. On the flip side, Derrick Henry, 21 for 102 and two touchdowns. However, he did enter the concussion protocol, which means there is a decent chance he misses next week. We've seen this kind of trend that over the last few weeks, a lot more players have passed through the concussion protocol. Where at the beginning of the year. It took almost, I feel like, eight to 10 weeks for a single player to get through. And now it's like we have a few of them, a handful of them every single week. So it's possible Derrick Henry is back onto the field. Um If not, though, this is kind of like the moment you've been holding Tajay Spears for the entire fucking year, because he filled in 16 for 75 on the ground. He's obviously really good in the passing game. He got six targets. Didn't turn it into much, but he will get a ton of work. I mean, he got 20 touches in this one, while Derrick Henry also got over 20 touches in this one. So if uh, Derrick Henry is out, you're firing up Tajay Spears as a top 15 guy, no matter who the matchup is up against. Let's just check it out, though. They get the Dolphins. So the Dolphins have been much better on defense. Uh, I think most people kind of like look at them as an offense that lets up a lot of points, but they're they've been way better on defense all around. So it's not necessarily an easy matchup, but it doesn't matter if if you have a one game sample size. Again, if Tajay Spears getting twenty touches, he's shown us that he's really fucking good. Um, at least as a backup level, and I think he'll be fine to fill in even if he plays like the Gio Bernard role. All those times when like Joe Mixon was out, Joe Bernard always filled in as a as a perfect top fifteen guy. He'd get it done through the through the air, through the ground. Sometimes, you know, fourteen carries, four to five catches, a uh, hundred yards from scrimmage, and usually a touchdown. And that's what I think you could probably expect from Tajay Spears going forward. D Hop did get home again, and I mean, D Hop's relatively uh, reliable, trustable, just because I mean, he got twelve targets of thirty-three pass attempts from Will Levis. So when you look at that target share. That's crazy. That's like, what, 37% or something like that, maybe even higher? And that, in my eyes, is projectable. So 5 for 75 and a touchdown, not amazing on 12 targets, but you're going to get 12 targets a game, especially next week against Miami, where Miami's going to put up points. They're going to have to throw the ball because Tennessee's pass defense is not great, and um, Tua should rip them up, and that should force you know Will Levis to throw the ball 40 times or so. And without Derrick Henry, it should be more – pass heavy no one else has started well on this team though chargers patriots i don't know what to say here i'd rather just skip past this game i think the only thing to talk about is Ramondre stevenson from everything i've seen everything i've heard he's probably dealing with a high ankle sprain which means zeke will fill in as the workhorse here I mean, 17 carries, 52 yards, also caught four or five targets for 40 yards. He's been involved on all three downs pretty much throughout the entire season. This is not like a new thing just because Ramondre went out. Um, Zeke has been used often, and they're likely going to use him as a workhorse. They got nobody else in that backfield. They got, what, Ty Montgomery. They've got – I'm sure they'll, like, grab a veteran or activate someone from the practice squad. But I, I expect I, – I heard the most ridiculous fucking stat when I was walking into the office today – and I think it was on – I forget what podcast it was. It was either the Athletic Podcast or the PFF Podcast. They said um, the – so the Patriots, over the last three weeks, their last three games, they have not allowed double-digit points. They have not allowed a team, a, a team to score 10 points in any of their last three games. On the season – check this Check this out. Listen to me here. Please. Please. On the season, teams – that have allowed fewer than 10 points to their opponents are 52 and 3. If you're letting up fewer than 10 points, you're winning that game. They're 52 and 3 this year. The three losses are all the Patriots over the last three weeks. They just lost 6 0 to the Chargers. They lost 10 to 7 to the Giants. Okay, so 10 or fewer points, excuse me. Um, so double digit was wrong, but 10 or fewer points. Colts, Giants, chargers they have not allowed more than 10 points 52 and 3 teams are 52 and 3 this year when they're allowing 10 or fewer points to their opponent the three losses are all the patriots all the last three weeks this team is in shambles they're i think a top two pick at this point so they will get a quarterback of caleb williams or drake may we'll see where they go um bill i could see bill going after fucking kirk cousins and then uh signing or uh, drafting marvin harrison or something like that that would be That'd be fun. Twitter would be fun. Uh, on the flip side, Eckler, yeah. I mean, listen, I think we probably have to have a discussion about whether or not Eckler is startable. I mean, you get ugh, the, the matchups are just too good. LeBroncos are the worst run defense in the NFL. He gets them twice. The Raiders are nothing better. I'm, I'm going to still continue to roll out Eckler because I don't really think you have a choice if you're just in the fantasy playoffs, but it's shitty, man. It stinks right now. Just a bad game all around not great. Lions Saints this was this was not great for the Saints until until the end. Uh the the, the Lions went up big. The Lions went up big and then the Saints just came back and almost uh, I don't want to say almost won this game, but they were fucking close. Goff started off on fire. Uh, you see the carries 18-8 to eight in favor of David Montgomery over Jameer Gibbs. I think a lot of that was game script. Like I said, they got up really, really big. 21-0 in the first fucking quarter. So when that happens, that is like the premier David Montgomery game script there. 18 for 56, touchdown on the ground. Didn't get involved in the passing game, but really no one did. If you look at the box score here, Sam Laporta, 9 for 140 and a touchdown, 9 targets. I'm on Ross St. Brown, 6 targets, just 2 catches. Look at the rest of the team. Three targets, one target, one, one, two, two, like there was really no one else involved on that side of things. I think like when you when you end up having a score where you're up 21, nothing, 24, nothing, whatever in the first fucking quarter, your your game plan doesn't really matter anymore. You're just kind of like trying to get to the end of the game. So most of those things don't end up working in your favor um, from a statistical standpoint. Nothing else really to take away from the Detroit side. I mean, you're starting Gibbs. You're starting Montgomery every single week, obviously. Uh, New Orleans, Derek Carr got destroyed. He broke just about everything in his body, ligaments, brain, muscles, bones. Um, He's in the concussion protocol. I think there's a high likelihood that he misses – next week's game which means Jameis Winston will be the quarterback mixed in with Taysom Hill I mean Taysom thirteen 50 59 and a touchdown in this one also caught two balls for 15 yards he just keeps getting it done from a fantasy aspect and with their Carr out I'd imagine they'll use him even more in the red zone next week so Hills in every week must start at the tight end position obviously Kamara gets in twice could have had three scores here they got one uh, I think they called him down or either it was either a penalty or they got called down and then Taysom Hill ran it in Um, So Kamara was very, very close to a hat trick here. Also caught six balls, 58 yards on the ground. I think he was the RB1 overall this week in fantasy. So huge fucking game from him, which is kind of surprising. I guess not that surprising because the Saints were down so big. So like catching a ton of passes was not surprising whatsoever. And I guess he didn't have that much success on the ground. He just got lucky getting his carries on the goal line. But whatever, fuck him. Great game for Kamara. Great game for Alave. Again, five for 119, eight targets. That wasn't really surprising given the fact that Michael Thomas and Rashid Jahid were both out in this one. So Alave continues to kind of eat. And with Jameis on the mound, um, he's going to throw some fastballs up there to Alave. So maybe we'll have a big, like a massive breakout game from him where he catches a bunch of deep balls because Jameis will not be afraid to throw it up. They play the Panthers next week, which is – Game script for Alvin Kamara to go pop, fucking pop. I actually imagine Taysom Hill's probably going to have a massive game, too. They'll probably use him a ton on the ground next week against the Panthers. Falcons-Jets, again, I, I like. There's just nothing really to take away here, except for we're fucking in first place, baby. We're so going to host a playoff game. We are so going to host a playoff game. We're going to host a game against um, maybe the Cowboys. Jesus Christ. We're going to host a fucking playoff game against the Cowboys this year. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm saying one thing. I'm saying one thing that. I just got my Aldi Crumpler signed jersey delivered to the office. Get up there. Fucking Christ. Can you guys see that? It's signed right there. I'm just saying, feels like destiny that I'm talking about the Falcons right now. Algie Crumpler jersey just got delivered. We're in first place in the NFC South. We're going to host a playoff game against the Cowboys or maybe the Eagles. I'm just saying, it feels maybe like destiny that the Super Bowl might run through Atlanta again. Who's to say no? Who says no? Hang? All right. Enough of that. Um, what can we actually take away from this game? Tim Boyle's terrible. Trevor, Trevor Simeon came in for him. He was equally as terrible. I mean, he dropped back like 15 times, got sacked three times. Um, Xavier Gibson was their leading receiver. I didn't even know that guy existed prior to this game. I kept seeing updates like Xavier Gibson rips off a 36 yard play. I'm like, holy fuck Atlanta. What are we doing? AJ Terrell got banged up in this game. So did I think Caleb McGarry. We 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 took some hits to the to the to the roster. We sacrificed a lot to win this game. I respect us. I respect me. I respect me as a fan for the injuries that we suffered in this game to get us to win. The Jets, um, a Dalvin Cook, nine for thirty-five. He's terrible. Bryce Hall, 13 for 16 on the ground, six for twenty-nine through the air, eight targets, I guess, if you want to say that's cool. Uh Tyler Conklin, the leading target getter here. Garrett Wilson is I mean, he's, again, I don't know how many times we could kind of just say the same things over and over and over and over and over again. Um, Garrett Wilson, we see it with Terry McLaurin. We see it with all these elite. We'll see it with Jamar Chase over the next five weeks, six weeks. It's the same thing. All these elite pass catchers with shitty quarterbacks, they do the same thing in fantasy. They have big games every once in a while, but they'll just normally go like three for 50, three for 70, four for fucking 45 over and over again. And then we ask ourselves, should we start them? Should we They just do the same thing. They all do the same fucking thing. This is Garrett Wilson here. He'll go four for 80 next week because he he will will his way. He's so good. He'll fucking will his way into your fantasy lineup again. I don't know why we're expecting anything different. Fuck him. Super Bowl through us. Uh, Cardinal Steelers. This one was a ridiculous game. The weather was out of control. Um They had, like, multiple weather breaks in this game where the team had to go into the locker room then come back out. Kyler, I thought, looked really, really good from, like, a throwing perspective. And just all around, I thought he this was, like, one of his best-played games. James Conner had a great game, 25 for 105, and two on the ground. His big revenge game. uh, They just whooped the shit out of the Steelers in this one. My biggest takeaway here is that Trey McBride is fucking him. Nine targets. Look at the target list on that side over there on the left side. There wasn't another player that had more than three targets. And Marquise Brown actually did fuck up his heel again. He re-fucked it up. He re-aggravated it. He'd been dealing with a heel injury for like two weeks now. He's been on and off the practice report, on and off practices. Didn't know he was going to play in this one because he missed Wednesday, Thursday, Friday's practice. Ended up suiting up, suiting up but re-aggravating it. Um, case in point, though, Trey McBride, nine targets on 23 attempts. That is over it's gotta be over a forty percent target share. If you guys if, y- if y'all watch this game, even if you're watching Red Zone, they kept showing Trey McBride's catches. He looks like th- we we are I- I'll tell you what, every year we try to like force ourselves into believing the next crop of fantasy tight ends is here, where it's like guys like Chiggy and like Greg Dolchich who are like I'm not good, but we want it to happen so bad. We are here though with that. We are here with Trey McBride, Sam Laporta, Dalton Kincaid. Those dudes are the next generation of like the Greg Olsons and the Zach Ertz's and the Delaney Walkers and, you know, dare I say the Travis Kelsey's and stuff like that. Like we are in that era right now. These are the dudes doing it. Trey McBride is a fucking savage. And there are so few dudes that I would rather have over him in dynasty. I actually just shot out a trade offer to, th- this is how far we've come with him and Kyle Pitts in, in particular. I just shot out a trade offer in a league uh, to dynasty league, tight end premium. I am giving up Kyle Pitts and a third for Trey McBride, and I'm actually expecting that trade to get rejected in about half a second. If that gets if that gets pulled, this person's a pure rebuilding team, so I'm hoping they're like, okay, by the time I'm actually going to use Kyle Pitts like next year or in two years, he'll have a good po- quarterback. The Falcons will be good. I'm like, hell no. Get him off my team. Give me Trey McBride, who I am not projecting or waiting to be good. He's good right fucking now. Trey McBride is really good. Holy shit! Did yesterday's game give me confidence in Trey McBride? Good lord, go try to go try to move Pittsburgh McBride yesterday, please. Uh, Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett fucked his ankle up. I believe he's having like tightrope surgery, which I maybe sounds worse than it is because apparently they're not going to put him on the IR. But Mr. Bisky will start because they play on Thursday Night Football against the Patriots, who, again, have not allowed more than 10 points in of their last three weeks, so this should be literally one of the worst football games of all time to watch. My eyes are about to fucking diarrhea out of them. So that stinks. It stinks for the pass catchers. People are going to be, oh, it's an upgrade from pick. It's not a fucking it's – it's an upgrade until he plays bad, and then you guys say it's a downgrade. It doesn't matter. They all stink. Everyone stinks. The follow-up to Matt Canada's game, I do – like, it was a tough weather game. Like, as you can see, neither of these teams really passed the ball much. 23 for Arizona, 27 for Pittsburgh, and only because they were probably trailing much of the game. Their ground game was good again. Najee, 16 for 63, Warren, 9 for 59. Unfortunately, we're not really see- seeing those ceiling games. This was the game where, like, you're playing against Arizona. The game script should be great. You look at Arizona, you look at Carolina, you look at those teams where they just get the shit beat out of them. You should be able to run and run and run and run and run and rack up yards and touchdowns and production. It just didn't happen here. This was just one of those games that reminds you. What the Pittsburgh offense really is. So they're in a tough spot right now. It's unfortunate, too, because like they just had a little bit of momentum, right? And you're like, okay, maybe this unlocks Kenny Pickett a little bit. Maybe we see a little bit more to Kenny Pickett than we've seen up to this point. And then he gets hurt. So now. It's going to be the end of the year, and maybe you get him back for two or three games. Maybe you don't get him back for the two or three games, and now you're going into next year with an absolute question mark again. Are you going to pursue a different quarterback? Does Pittsburgh pursue a Kirk Cousins because maybe they're a piece away from being a real playoff contender kind of team, but now it's like you don't have as much information as you'd like because of Kenny Pickett's. It was a really ill-timed injury for pickett just in terms of like gathering information. Like shout out to Arizona where people were uh were like, oh, they shouldn't bring him back at all. Like Arizona's gathering a bunch of information from Kyler Murray being back over the last few games. And now I almost feel like the decision is easy to keep pushing through Kyler. Like if you have two picks in the top ten, whatever, top five, I almost I think the right move would be all right, maybe get a pass rusher, maybe get another tackle and then Marvin Harrison or something like that. That is what these last few weeks have done for teams like Arizona, which, which would have done for a team like Pittsburgh. But now you don't really have that information, right? Like if Justin Fields got hurt right now, what does Chicago do for the rest of the season? Or next season, I should say. You know, it's, it's, it's a tough spot for them. Um, in terms of fantasy against the Patriots, like Najee and Jalen Warren are probably, they're, they're like volume driven. Are, are there teams on buys next week? Week 14, I want to say there's two teams on bye. Yeah, we have the Cardinals and the Commanders. So I don't think the fan the fantasy playoffs for most, for most people, unless you're in a huge league, usually start week 15, and then you have 16, 17, right? So I don't think there's any teams on bye in week 15. That would be crazy for the NFL. No, there's not. There is, though, there is. Next week, there are two Monday night games. I just saw a tweet. Sorry. A little like a side fucking yapping over here. I saw two games. uh, I saw a tweet that said that there are two Monday night games this upcoming week. Titans, Dolphins, Packers, Giants. And you may notice that they both kick off at the exact same fucking time. 8, 15 PM Eastern time. So apparently what they're going to do is have the Manning cast announce both games at the same time. Now, my original thought was like, that's fucking terrible. That's an awful idea. It's going to be too chaotic. The games are going to be played at the same time. you are going to have to be calling multiple plays at the same time. And then there's also part of me that's like, you know what? Red zone's pretty fucking cool. You know, it's not going to be the same concept per se, but we all also have like TikTok brains now where we want to be intrigued and spoken to and yap that and have cool shit going on all the time. So there's part of me that's like, maybe this could be cool, having two games on at the same time and having, you know, two times of plays happening. I don't know. It 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 feels like it's it could be either awful or awesome. One of the two. I think people will be out they'll be fake mad and fake outraged that it's happening at first. And even if it's really cool, they won't say it. They'll just continue to be fake mad about it. But I think there's a high likelihood that we actually like this more than we're being fake mad about. So I just want to put that on the record first. I like being on the record about things that people get fake mad about. It's fun. Um back to the Cardinal Steelers, yeah. I mean, Patriots Thursday night football. Uh I'm I'm okay starting both running backs. I'm not happy about it obviously. But they're both like efficient and getting enough volume where I don't know how many better options you might have at, at your RB2 or like deep flex spot. Pickens I, I I don't really want any part of anyone in this fucking passing game, man. I will say, though, Trubisky does target Deontay Johnson at a super fucking high rate, and he did get home in this one just because there was a lot of garbage time happening there. Uh, He had a big play at the end of the game and then a touchdown, so like all of his production, if you started him, you looked at the box score at the end of the game, got you like 13, 15 points, whatever, you didn't fucking deserve it. You didn't deserve it, but you got it. So I would start Deontay if I had to pick one, but like I'm not. I feel terrible about both of them. Miami whipped the shit out of Washington. Uh, welcome, Bike, Devon, A Shan, two touchdowns. Both of them towards the end of the game, I'm pretty sure, like garbage time type shit, but Raheem Moser got home. Tyreek Hill continues to make his useless case for the MVP because they're not going to give it to him, even though he is the most valuable player in the NFL. Jalen Waddell, another tough game, um, but they didn't really need to use anybody besides. Tyreek Hill, he was literally just playing Madden on rookie mode. It was literally like run a deep route. I'm going to hit you as you fly past the cornerback and everything will work out perfectly smoothly. It's a, there's no other way to explain it. Um, but great to have H.M. back. Obviously, he is someone that you're going to be starting every single week going forward. I, I think that's probably still the case with Raheem Moser as well. They play the Titans next week. That probably lends itself more to an H.M. game than a Moser game because I don't think you want to like shove your early down grinder against the Titans. We just saw it happen to Zach Moss. The Jets are relatively tough defense. Cowboys are tough. The Ravens are tough. So it's a very tough slate going forward for a guy like Raheem Mostert. So I would say he's probably more of like a touchdown dependent um, RB2 for the rest of the season than he is like what he's been up to this point. Where the fuck are you, Dolphins? Hang but A Chan's in every every week start for me cuz he he's like a different type of special player where they get him involved in the space they know how to use him he's not like that guy that they just keep kind of shoving up the middle and hope something good happens so i don't necessarily know that the the level of difficulty as it relates to the defense matters too much for a guy like A Chan um Washington side i got to say man i got to say as a Sam Howell dynasty owner in like multiple leagues have been really happy to have him up to this point. Even this game, he saved himself with two rushing touchdowns. I'm getting a little bit nervous because their record is getting bad. And I believe they now are projected to have a top five pick. And the problem with that is they're going to have a completely new front office going into next year. Everything's going to be wiped out and clean. With a top five pick, most likely. Maybe they win a couple games down the stretch. Who knows? Um, let's let's actually check out their schedule and see. They play the Rams. They play the Jets. They play the Niners, and they play the Cowboys going forward. Um, they are one of the teams with a bye in the next week. There is not an easy win on this schedule. They're going to get their asses kicked by the Cowboys and the Niners. Um, I mean, the Rams unlikely to win that game, but not impossible for sure. And then the Jets also kind of like a coin flip there. Probably less than that, but there is a legitimate chance this this team has a very high pick and there are some good quarterbacks that will go in the first round. Mainly, you have to have a very, very high pick to get, you know, the ones worth drafting up there. But there's a real chance that Sam Howell may not be the starter there next year. Um, So I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit nervous about him right now because they got to win some fucking games, get out of that quarterback range in the draft, and then I'll feel okay about it. I think he's done enough given the circumstances around him to warrant like another year. What do y'all think? What do y'all think? Um, Running back situation, Brian Robinson pulled his hammy. He's one of the guys that like, you know, I was talking about in the beginning of the video, you don't see a ton of hamstring pulls at this point of the year from guys that are fully healthy. Like obviously Christian Watson uh, had a hamstring pull as well, but he's had a couple this year already. And when you already have one, you have a higher likelihood of re pulling that hamstring so with Brian Robinson, he's got the hamstring pulley, and um, now that kind of opens the door for Gibson and Chris Rodriguez. This will not be the Antonio Gibson show. He will likely lead the backfield in touches, and he will have a very, very big role in the passing game, which is really nice for fantasy, but he is a terrible runner. I don't know how you could have watched Antonio Gibson at all over the last like two to three years. If it took you to this point to understand that, then... You just don't know ball. But Gibson is a very, very bad running back. He is a great athlete who will succeed in the passing game, and he will put you up good fantasy numbers if Brian Robinson is out because he will get yardage on third downs and through the passing game, and they might use him on the goal line. Chris Rodriguez is this kid out of Michigan who is a fucking grinder. Okay? So if you if you take, like, Brian Robinson and turn the, like, trucking level up a little bit but turn like everything else down like athleticism pass catching ability being good at running back like that's what chris rodriguez is so he's gonna he's gonna work perfectly in a ron rivera offense so i think there will be a split between rodriguez and gibson um you know gibson's a guy i i would be very very much okay getting into my lineup if ryan robinson misses time as an rb2 flex play for sure especially in ppr leagues rodriguez i i don't Imagine there's going to be a lot of, like, fantasy meat to bite off here just because he's not a big play guy. Um, he'll need to score on the goal line in order to be useful for you in fantasy. And as you could see, Washington has games where they don't score many times. Um but they also have games where they put up 30 points, 40 40 points. So maybe Chris Rodriguez can get home in those games. I'm not overly optimistic about it. It's hard to be overly optimistic about anyone on this fucking team right now. Right now, Curtis Samuel is like the best fantasy option they have at the wide receiver position somehow. Texans-Denver. Denver fucking killed me not covering point three and a half, point three, point .3 point. Why? What is wrong with me? They were getting three and a half points. <clears throat> Couldn't fucking seal the deal because Russ just kept throwing picks um shout out to Stroud again though played a great game shout out to all their young players played great games shout out to Tank Dell just want to give a fucking salute to the god he'll be out for the rest of the year he fractured his fibula um so I told a lot of people not to start him this week because I was worried about him coming into the game because of that calf strain and then he ended up really fucking up his leg on a goal line pile up um be like oh why is he in on there it's just part of the fucking game you're just on the field because you're a good player and they get like you don't want teams to know what you're doing enough of that yapping all right enough of that that shit could have happened to anyone anybody could have got rolled up on but it happened and now uh so from what i've gathered all the research again only technically a doctor he will be 1000 percent fine for next year this is not something we need to worry about going into 2024 so if you have him in dynasty No worries there. Obviously sucks for the rest of the season because he was an every week starter at this point. But what it does mean is Nico Collins is going to be a wide receiver one going forward. What it does mean is Noah Brown, who had a bad game, but I think you will be able to rely on him going forward, is a nice little pickup for you. And depending on Dalton Schultz's status, Brevin Jordan is a nice little pickup for you at the tight end position. Uh, I don't think Dalton Schultz's injury is very serious, so wouldn't look too far into that one. Brevin Jordan was a, he was supposed to. He's this is kid out of Miami. I remember him getting hyped up from the dynasty community a couple of years ago. He was supposed to be ultra athletic, and then had a shitty combine, so no one really liked him. But had a nice, nice little game here. And CJ Stroud is really, really fucking good, so he's going to make sure someone puts up stats in this game. It happened to be all Nico Collins. Look at the backfield. Damian Pierce kind of like took back over here. Fifteen for forty-one did get the the goal line score. Uh, Devin Singletary was the pass catching back, I guess. Um, But they split carries, and Singletary, I believe, outsnapped Pierce, but Pierce got more carries here. So, again, it kind of turns back into a messy backfield here. Uh, When we look at the schedule, they have a really, really soft schedule in terms of, like, not running back schedule, but, like, teams. So you have the Jets, who great defense, terrible team all around. Titans, good run defense, but obviously uh, C.J. Stroud should throw some fucking numbers on the board against Tennessee. They get them twice over the next four weeks. And they get Cleveland, who's a great pass defense, but depending on the health of their team, Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, whatever they they have a lot of banged up players there. We'll kind of see. We'll take that week by week, I guess. Um, on the flip side, Russ and his three picks, fuck off. Uh, Cortland Sutton continues to be the only one worth starting in the passing game there. Rams and the Browns, I dude, Joe Flacco, <clears throat> Joe, I'm so fucking pissed at myself for not picking him up and playing him over Zappy. I could, I would have put my mother on the fact that I put in a waiver claim for him I don't know what I was doing Joe Flacco's gonna haunt me for the rest of my goddamn life and you know what's gonna happen I'm gonna miss the playoffs by one seed and then I'm gonna follow along what happens in the playoffs and you know my team I'm gonna look at my score and look at the guy who I should have been playing against I'm gonna have beaten them in the semifinals. I'm gonna have beaten the next guy in the finals and I would have won a fucking championship if the Joe Flacco waiver wire bid went through that is just fantasy 101. I can guarantee that. There's nothing I've ever been more confident in than that's what's going to fucking happen. Joe Flacco, god damn it, did he look good? Did he look good for a 38-year-old Joe Flacco? He legitimately might have looked, this might have been the best passing performance. The interception at the end of the game was bad, but everything up until then, this might have been like the strongest passing performance from any quarterback in Cleveland this year, straight up. Watson's put up some numbers. He had some good fantasy days, but never once did he actually look good. Like he was never really slinging it. He had throws here and there, but if it like for instance, if Deshaun Watson had the game that Joe Flacco had yesterday, I would have felt better about Watson. He was striking the ball, man. He looked fucking good. Cream Hunt twelve for forty eight on the ground. Jerome Ford only nine for nineteen, but he did catch a big wheel route for a touchdown early on in the game. So he gets it done via the passing game, and that is one thing I will keep. Uh, kind of harping away here if Joe Flacco continues to be the starter, which honestly I think he gives them the best chance to win. So uh, I, I hope they keep him on the field, to be honest. Remember last year, and it didn't necessarily come to fruition here because Ford only had three targets and Kareem Hunt only had one. Do you remember last year when Joe Flacco was the quarterback for the Jets in the beginning of the year? Do you remember the amount of targets that Brees Hall and Michael Carter were getting? They were both getting like eight targets per game. I think we're probably going to see some huge days from Jerome Ford and even Kareem Hunt maybe in the passing game. I think it's happening. Uh, Amari Cooper left this game. He came in with a rib injury. Then I want to say he like re-injured his rib injury, but then he also got ruled out with a concussion. So I think he's in the concussion protocol right now, If I can keep track of all these fucking injuries. And, if that happens, you could see that Elijah Moore has taken a clear liking with Joe Flacco. They already have the chemistry from being on the Jets together, and they, they like each other. I've, I've seen a lot of like back-and-forth press between them two. So Elijah Moore would be a, a sneaky, very strong pickup on the waiver this week if Amari Cooper is ruled out. Uh, on the flip side, Kyron Williams continues to fucking ball out. What else is new? Puka, huge game, 4-for-105 and a touchdown on uh through the air two for 34 on the ground he also had like a 40 yard catch called back as well so it could have been an even more massive he could have been close to 200 yards on the day he got hurt left the game but then came back in so i think he's fine uh his ribs are a little fucked up but he plays through he's a warrior cooper cup did save his day with a touchdown but he the problem with cooper cup right now is he's got like almost all of his yards i feel like come after the catch normally and he's clearly fucked up a little bit the ankles are bothering him, and I'm worried about it. Um. So, that's not great to see. He's usually really good at getting open in the middle of the field in the zones, and then being able to work after the catch. He's not. He's not doing that right now. There's there's something not not great going on here. I guess keep an eye on Demarcus Robinson. Maybe he's like the new Tutu Atwell. That I didn't even realize he was on the team. And then all of a sudden, we're watching the game yesterday, and this dude is making play after play. And he kind of looks like a lost fucking deer in the headlights out there, but, like, he makes it happen. It's almost like if Jonathan Mingo started making plays, started being, like, kind of good. That's, that's like, what ended up um, being Demarcus Robinson's day. So maybe deeper leagues, huh? Keep an eye on. Cooper Cup's banged up. Puka's banged up. Speaking of Jonathan Mingo, let's move to the Buccaneers and the Panthers, where the Bucks take care of business. And the Panthers are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. They were not they were not mathematically eliminated prior to this game. They weren't. But now they're out. In case anybody needed to know, Bryce Young, another troubling performance. And I get it. I don't want to put too much on the fact that this team is just awful. When you're 1-11, listen, it's, it's not just one guy's fault. You're a bad team probably. But there were there there were parts of the game where like you're like, this has nothing to do with everybody else on the field. You're just not making this happen right now. There were some throws that should have been better, some processing that could have been better. That, that it does get you a little bit nervous about Bryce. But, again, I, I, I kind of want to look at this and and, and throw it away. Um, so we're going to do that. Chuba Hubbard, 25 for 104 and two touchdowns. Another huge day coming off of a game where, like, Miles and Chuba split the backfield. So it's fucking impossible to tell what to do with those guys. It's fucking impossible. I don't know what to do. Jonathan Mingo led the team, 10 targets, 6 catches, 69 yards, I guess. Like, I don't know. People were saying he looked good. I, I didn't think he looked great. It's one of those guys you just get the ball in his hands and like let him work because he's such a fucking specimen, but I don't think he looks like a great receiver, realistically. I don't know. Uh, Tampa Bay, Rashad White, another big game. Chris Godwin, terrible. Mike Evans, huge game. 7 for 162 and a touchdown. He goes fucking nuclear, passes 1,000 yards again for the 10th straight season. What a goat. What a fucking goat, honestly. This was the matchup to start. Fucking Rashad White, man. This was it right here. Who's Tampa play next week? Big game. Big game for us. Play at Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, Godwin got in because he had a 19-yard end around that scored. But other than that, Godwin, I, I just can't imagine putting him in my lineup anymore. Whew. Brock Purdy, man. Brock Purdy beat the shit out of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, just a flawless day from the 49ers. 3-14 and four touchdowns for Brock Purdy through the air, and he shot up the MVP odds this morning as well. He's right there with Dak and Jalen Hurts. He, is, he just looks so good. C-Mac, 17 for 93 and a touchdown on the ground, 3 for 40 through the air, so he gets it done. Debo scores three fucking times, one with his legs, twice through the air. Debo, man, when he makes one of those plays, there's just no one else that can do it like him. When he gets in open space, man, he could just take it the distance any fucking time. It is crazy. The way that they get him open and the way that they get him like a breakaway field is just beautiful. Debo's four targets, turns it into four catches, 116 yards, two touchdowns. Brandon Ayuk, five for 46 and a touchdown. George Kittle, four for sixty eight. So not monster games from them, too, but they get it done. San Francisco, just by far and away the best team in the NFL. I just, like, don't – I just don't see how – that. I have not really wavered from that at, at all this year, even during their little losing streak. San Fran is just another type of beast. Their offense and their defense are both fucking awesome. On the flip side, Philly didn't look great. Jalen Hurts, it looked like he had all day in the pocket. There were plays where he would sit back there for, like, six seconds. I was, like, making food. I was like, all right, he's dropping back. Let me go fucking flip the stake real quick. I come back, he's still in the pocket. And then he just like doesn't make a play. It's weird. It was like you got AJ Brown, Devontae Smith. they they're they're neither of those are getting open. Hard to believe that. Um, but thirteen and eleven targets for those two, respectively. They both get home fantasy wise. I believe Dallas Goddard should be back next week. Um which I think probably rains on Devonta Smith's parade a little bit because his splits with and without Goddard are crazy, and he continues to pile those up here, 9 for 96 and a touchdown. Um, you're obviously still starting Smitty. You're starting A.J. Brown every week. I'm probably – I think they've given Goddard enough rest to the point where I'm probably okay putting him right back into my lineup as long as I don't have fucking Trey McBride the GOAT or one of those young tight ends, um, but he's he's for sure usable right away, I think. DeAndre Swift got banged up at the end of the game. So keep an eye on his injury status. He had a terrible game, six for thirteen on the ground, two for seven through the air. He's been, again, like just inconsistent because Jalen Hurst gets all of the goal line scores. You know, when you're a running back, you need to ha- you need to be super explosive or really involved in the running game if you're not going to get the goal line scores. And this was just one of those where DeAndre Swift was not that guy. And they played Dallas next week, but then they got a nice, like they played Dallas next week. So if you can get into the playoffs with Philadelphia, you're going to feel really good because they've got Seattle in Week 15, the Giants in Week 16, and the Cardinals in Week 17, both home games in those two arenas. So Jalen Hurts and DeAndre Swift might actually combine for 10 rushing touchdowns throughout these three games. And the game of the evening. Green Bay takes care of Kansas City in Lambeau. Lambeau in December, it's a tough place to win games, man. Casey offense just did not look like they had it through through the air. Um, it doesn't look great, and Kel- I don't know if defenses. It, it would be stupid to say that like defenses are now zoning in on Kelsey because they've been doing that for five fucking years. Like, there's not something that just happened. I don't know if Kelsey's banged up or if he's just finally getting to that age, man. That shit happens quick. Shit happens quick. Is Kelsey there? I don't know. He's obviously still capable of huge games, but more and more often we're seeing not huge games from him, and I think it's just the effect of like. Mahomes just doesn't have those weapons, man. Like, he can throw to Rashi Rice behind the line of scrimmage 45 fucking times if he wants to, but MBS is trash. Richie James is trash. Sky Moore is trash on a good day. Like, he's got nothing to work with there in the passing game. Pacheco continues to ball, though, 18 for 110 on the ground and a touchdown and uh, another four targets here. You know, not a big game through the passing game, but if Jarek McKinnon continues to be out, which I think he practiced last week, so he should probably be back. But if he's not, Pacheco will continue to probably eat. On the flip side, Jordan Love continues his campaign as to why he should be the long-term starter there in Green Bay. Aaron Jones missed another game. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, 4-for-72. But I think the big takeaway here is Christian Watson. After going 7-for-71, scoring twice, he repulls his hamstring, and it does not look good. It was like an end-around. You know what? I want to say first off, shout-out to um, Matt LaFleur. the head coach of the the Packers, I think he's a really good coach. And I don't really say that often about a lot of – coaches in the nfl i don't think they really matter that much and i still don't i don't think like he's a huge difference maker i don't think really any coaches besides maybe a few of them out there like the andy Reid's i think matter sean McVay, etc mike mcdaniel but for the most part i think they all kind of fall in line of just like all right you're probably going to be relatively as good as the players that you have on the field lafleur i think one of the most like telltale signs of just being a progressive coach and understanding the way that the nfl works now it's something so simple, but it pisses me off when coaches don't do it. When you are down in the last – when not when you're down, when you're actually leading, when you're up, but you're down to the last three minutes, three minutes, 30 seconds, there was – you know, Green Bay had to secure like four first downs, three first downs at the end of the game in order to win the game and like close out the Chiefs. So many bad coaches play scared at the end of the game where they will just go three straight runs, run, 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 run to milk clock. But know that if they don't get the first down, they're giving the ball back to Patrick Mahomes and they fucking lose every time when they do that shit. If a coach is up and there's still ample time left to, to the point where you're going to give the ball back and you're not afraid to throw the ball. I love that shit. I love that shit. And the floor did that multiple times. It didn't always work out. But the fact that you're not like a fucking public mind, you're not a tiktok brained NPC that needs to run the ball every single time to milk clock like an idiot and then give the ball back to Mahomes. No, you went for it. You're saying we're going to step on your throats. This is how we end it. Jordan loves playing lights the fuck out. Let me put it in his hands to end it. I love when coaches do that at the end of the game. Like Arthur Smith would never. He would run the ball up the up the middle with Tyler Rodgers three straight fucking times. Let's just let's just give the ball back to them six times. But now they have Forty-five seconds less than they did before. They're gonna get three fucking game-winning attempts. Like, of course, they're gonna get it eventually. And what was I talking about? Right, one of the plays at the end of the game was a Christian Watson end-around that he broke three from, broke free from, and it looked like he was sliding down to stay in bounds, but he actually pulled his hammy on the play. Um, that's a re- he's dealt with multiple hammy injuries this year already, so that does not look good. Does not feel good. We'll have to keep an eye out on the injury report, but it probably means he's going to miss some time here. Um, Means more targets for Jaden Reed, more targets for Romeo Dobbs. Dontavion Wicks is going to play a lot more, and he is someone that you should look to pick up if you are desperate at the wide receiver position. Uh, Tucker Craft, six targets in this one, second on the team. So it looks like if Luke Musgrave is out for the rest of the year, which he's already on the IR and Christian Watson is hurting, Tucker Craft could be in for like a solid little PPR uh, run down the stretch here. I think that's the only takeaways I have from this game. Did anybody else get hurt here? I don't think so. All right. Well, those are all the games. Um, we do have the Monday night game tonight. We do have the Monday night game tonight. Um, it is the Jaguars against the Bengals in Jacksonville. This should be a relatively shitty game. Jacksonville's 10-point favorites right now. Holy hell. Uh, I need a huge performance from their defense for fantasy. That would be wonderful. Let's, uh, you know what? Let's do some underdog slips. Fuck it. Let's win some money. I saw a slip. I saw one square already that I love. Now, if you are new to underdog and you have never built a slip on here. You're already going to have a guaranteed winner because if you sign up with our code BDGE, if it's your first time on there, they give you a free square. It's 0.5 yards. It's probably Trevor Lawrence or Travis Etienne or some shit like that. Uh, So you already get one automatic winner with a square. If it's your first time on there, if it's your first time depositing, you throw down 10 bucks, use our code BDGE. They're going to double whatever you put down and give you a free square. My favorite square to run with right now or the opposite of. Ironically, is Joe Mixon lower than 47.5 rushing yards? This offense is not going to have the game script to give Joe Mixon 20 carries. And that's like what he needs to get it done because this dude averages like three and a half yards per carry. And Jacksonville is allowing the fewest rushing yards, the fewest fantasy points to the running back position. Their run D is electric. So my favorite square right now is 47.5 rushing yards lower on Joe Mixon. Hmm. We need to pick a Jacksonville, a Jacksonvillian, unless, again, you signed up with code BDGE. They're going to give you that free square on the Jacksonville side. So you'll be good to run with just those two squares and likely win a whole gang of money. If I had to take one on the Jacksonville side. Let's see. 16 and a half rush attempts for Travis Etienne. Ooh, I kind of like the four receptions from Christian Kirk. I feel like he's been written off a little bit lately, but he's still the most targeted guy in this offense. Calvin Really's been going bonkers here. I think I like four receptions for Christian Kirk. I am not worried about the Cincinnati Bengals defense. They let up a ton of production to slot wide receivers. And, you know, if he hits four receptions that is a push rather than a loss so we're going to run with joe mixon lower than 47 and a half rushing yards we're going to run with christian kirk higher than four receptions we're going to put 50 on it for a 3x spot we're going to feed families we're going to make sure you got presence under the tree for your family and your kids Hang. All right, we're going to wrap it up there. We'll be back tomorrow for our waiver wire video. Um, If you would like access to our rankings or our waiver wire rankings or our private live stream Q&A on Saturday, you've got to sign up to be a big dog member. BDGE.co, BDGE.co. We'll get you there, get you signed up easily, and get you access to all that sheesh. Thank you for hanging out with me today. We do this every single Monday, recap every NFL week. So make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you got notifications turned on to let you know when we go live and make sure you go hit the button that looks like this. If you indeed liked the video, I love y'all. I'll see you tomorrow. Hi.